0: Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck. And if we have to, drop the gloves on... That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, March 10th. We're back. It's been a couple of weeks. Take a couple of weeks off for some vacation and some other uh, business doings, as you might say. But uh, myself, yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, firing things back up here from the THS studios here on Long Island, New York. And as always, I'll be joined by my uh, good friends here, uh, my THS line mates. Uh, Joey Yurden's taking this week off, folks. He's going to be back here uh, with us next week. A little later on, we're going to have Steve Palumbo calling in from the Gulf Coast down in Texas. And we'll talk some avalanches, some devils, and other general hockey talk as we always do with Steve-O. But stepping in to the faceoff circle this week for the first time. But, you know, he's always here with us. But the first time in the faceoff circle, we're going to see what kind of drawman he is. And that's our good friend, Mr. Ted Bamford. Ted, what's going on? How's Chicago these days? Welcome back to THS,
1: man. Mr. Powell, what's doing? Man, it uh, if you have allergies, not a good time to be in Chicago. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say uh, this weekend, for the first time in two years, thanks pandemic, we will have the infamous, legendary, iconic Chicago St. Patrick's Day Parade. So uh, here comes the debauchery, uh, and um, expectations are that when the parade begins on Saturday morning, the wind chill in this fine city could be around zero, possibly negative. Uh, so and you know obviously most of the Blackhawks are on the wrong side of plus minus, but you'd like to see the weather <laughs> on the right side of the ledger now when when everybody's going to go out and get tipsy at seven o'clock in the morning. But here we are. It won't slow Chicago down. I promise you that. And then you know, 60s by Tuesday. So we're gonna go from parkas and beers to golf clubs and beers in about two, three days. Yeah, so, you know, you know, here we are. Here in we Midwest, are. At least, at least, ice surface will be decent at the United Center. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll see what the uh, <laughs> what what the roster looks like by the end of the month with uh, two thirds of the roster theoretically either halfway out the door or. Not waving their no-move clause, depending on which rumor you want to buy.
0: Ouch. I'd say the most important ice at the United Center is the ice keeping the kegs cool for all the uh, alcoholic beverages that the fans need to consume. Oh, this year,
1: absolutely. To get through this (laughs) season. (laughs) let me tell you.
0: But, uh, you know, it's amazing that you bring that up, man. It's two years, um, you know, when you look at the timeline, the pandemic and everything else, and, uh, you know, with parades being canceled and stuff, and obviously – Lots of serious stuff going on uh, in the rest of the world, especially in Europe right now. Um, but you know, in all the small little world here in the states, and and um, you know, just our our country in the Northeast, and pretty much the rest of the world as far as the pandemic is is getting you know back to normal here. Um, it, it it's kind of a trip tab to, to think that it's been two years, and you look at the NHL season and uh, this year, and obviously the fifty six game s- season this past year, and obviously the summer tournament. It's uh it's kind of a trip sometimes to me. Sometimes it's like, where did where did the time go when it seemed like it was so slow going in the beginning, uh, and now here we are to look back at it two years later. It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, and you know. March 11th obviously is a significant date because that was two years ago when basically the world stopped, at least sports world in the U.S. crept to a absolute standstill, and then we were kind of in limbo with everything in life starting March 11th, which happens to be my brother's birthday and my late grandfather's birthday. Uh, Not birthday. And, uh, and the little one, as I called him when we were growing up, will hit uh, a round number this year <laughs> uh, I, I I recently celebrated uh, I, I'm in my Jackie Robinson year this year and so I don't know if uh, if him turning 40 means that he has we're gonna have to duct tape the bottles to his hands or what happens <laughs> with that but, uh, but but the kid uh, I called him little one growing up and now he's like five inches taller than me so you know karma. Coming right back at you here, but Crazy. yeah, so uh, it, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting weekend here in Chicago with the uh, with the St. Paddy's Day parade, maybe some baseball news, and lots of hockey to watch. So and basketball, you know, God bless basketball for giving us something to bet on that isn't as depressing as the Blackhawks.
0: <laughs> Unless uh, you know you're watching face uh, what's uh, with the kid in uh, Atlanta there uh, in the NFL, uh, Calvin Ridley. Uh, he- you know, yeah, $15 cost where? him
1: an $11 million Woo! season. No. Ouch. Yeah, be careful. Be careful. He's be betting careful. on, you know, come on. I, that's a whole other soapbox for a whole other day with the <laughs> idea that we are supporting gambling as institutions in these different sports because it drives revenue for the teams. But a player who's out sick, by the way, hops on the old sports book on his phone and throws a couple parlays and loses 11 million dollars whole other soapbox for a whole other show but absolutely yeah you know decision making I think that's something that we talk about in every sport right now god bless the baseball owners and players get it done kids <laughs> all
0: right pal let's talk some uh, let's talk some puck here um you know everybody with about we're, we're approaching pushing 60 games now for for most of the teams uh, a little less than that from some of the teams, obviously, who struggled uh, out of the gate with COVID uh, cancellations and so on and so forth. Uh, the Avs still uh, running the gambit up top with 87 points and 41 wins. You know, you look at the uh, the top five or six teams here and, and you know, through Calgary and even Boston and, and the Capitals and I guess around St. Louis and L.A. I mean, 17 and 18 losses there and, and you look at uh, the Avs only with 12 and, and you know, Carolina's in there, Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto, New York and and they've it's pretty much been this way tab for the for most of the season there hasn't really been much of a change as far as the top say 8 teams in the league um, we 've got some interesting wild card runs here that we always look forward to this time of the year, and obviously coinciding with the trade deadline that 's coming up here in a couple of weeks and we 're going to get into this uh, a little bit here today obviously this, now all the the rumors are talking and the and the the dreaming and the wishing and um, and then you 're seeing some teams that you know even two three weeks ago last time we were on tab where if they didn 't turn things around and and the the ship started sinking a little deeper. Uh, we have teams now leaning more towards being sellers, whether it might be your Hawks or the Islanders out here on Long Island as well. But let's kind of start there and see where you feel uh, the, the the season is at right now, as far as what I was saying, the top teams and where we're heading towards with the trade deadline.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think we, we've talked about this on shows before. You've got some clearly established sellers that have some marketable pieces, and I think now that... Since our last show, the Blackhawks have installed Kyle Davidson as the permanent GM, and he brought back, uh, you know, former associate assistant GM, Norm McIver, who's now the associate GM back from Seattle. Um, you know, you've got, a, a, you know, about a week here, less than two weeks for Davidson, I think, really to be one of the hubs in the entire league's trade conversations here. You've got uh, Vegas, maybe outside of the Islanders, the most disappointing team in the league right now, with Robin Leonard going home to get some work done on an upper body issue that's not related to the shoulder thing that's been uh, nagging him. Um, You've got Toronto, who uh, is going to be without Campbell for a couple weeks, was announced earlier this morning. Those are two teams that would be interested in a goaltender, Obviously the Blackhawks are sitting with Marc-Andre Fleury right now. And depending on which Steve Simmons tweet you want to subscribe to, uh, <laughs> he's uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he's either not going to go anywhere or uh, he just wants to go somewhere that looks like a situation that he can win. I would submit that right now Vegas is not a team where he can win. They've been atrocious for a few weeks now, uh, maybe thinking that they traded their wrong goalie. Um but they're sliding the wrong direction, even with Eichel in the lineup and Eichel has been productive. Um, But then Toronto on the flip side, they don't have a ton of cap space. So, you know, what kind of financial gymnastics would they need to jump through and how hefty a price would they be willing to pay to bring Fleury up there? And is the goalie, you know, with all due respect to Campbell and Mrazek, would Marc-Andre Fleury really solve their problems or do they have some blue line issues that they should work out again with minimal cap space to play with? But, uh, it's going to be really interesting because there are some teams that have underwhelmed. I already said the Islanders and, and Vegas, you know, how how much do they stand pat or go for it? And then you've got other teams that are sliding the wrong direction like Anaheim that, you know, when we last talked, we in that, you know, conversation for possibly having a wild card run in them and with four wins in their last 10 and Silverberg and Getzlaff going on IR this morning and giving up eight goals to the Blackhawks, um, you know, they might be in full-blown cell mode right now. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see which critical injuries lead teams to make a move out of necessity. And I'm thinking about Campbell being out for a couple weeks and Leonard being away from the Golden Knights right now. And then which teams are just looking to bolster and go for it. And I think Colorado is a team that you look at with I don't think it's insane to say every reason to think that they're the team to beat in the Western Conference. Calgary's got something to say about that. But 87 points, they are 12 points ahead of Calgary. And even with Calgary having two games in hand, obviously the math says that that ain't going to happen. Plus 62 goal differential, which is 22 better than St. Louis, who are in second in the central. You know, Colorado's a team to look at and say, you know, what do they need to tweak, augment? add to, to make them a bona fide cup winner in their minds and not if they aren't already. And I think you would argue with them leading the league in points. They're a front runner. Absolutely. But you look at what Florida and Carolina and Tampa, Toronto, and I would say even the Rangers, I would put those five teams in the mix in the West, in the Eastern conference as being squads that could have something to say about it. And the only reason you know, even though you're a Rangers guy, Paulie, I put him in there because Shesterkin's now in the heart conversation and their blue line is magnificent and they've got some wiggle room with the cap right now this year to play with before uh Zuccarello, or not Zuccarello, uh Zibinijad and Fox's paydays kick in next year. So do the Rangers go for it. They're six points back at Carolina but I think their goaltending is such they're the opposite of Toronto. Their back end is so strong. If they can go get a little more scoring, the New York Rangers could be a scary proposition in the playoffs as well. So we've got a a little more than a week here to sort out who, who's going to push the gas pedal all the way down. uh, And who, you know, who maybe buys for the future Detroit uh, and who, who looks to sell because it's really not happening and how, how deep does that sell go? And again, that all circles back in my mind, not just because I'm in Chicago, but when you look at the pieces that they could potentially have available and names that have been floated, from Flurry to Dominic Kubalik to Brandon Hagel to Calvin DeHaan, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be a team that really stir the pot and drive a lot of what you hear about between now and the deadline.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know when you look at the two different conferences here. And just to swing back to the East here, I mean, those eight teams that are in the playoff spots right now, the the three division leaders and the two wild card uh, spots here with Boston and Washington, I can pretty much, unless there's some major kind of uh, injury, catastrophe, or complete fall, you've got your eight teams in the Eastern Conference. You you just don't, you know, Columbus, Detroit, the Islanders, and Jersey, they're just not going to catch Capitals and Boston because both of those two teams there and even at the bottom of them playing very well. You know, you bring up the Rangers there, you know, Talking about a score, if shesty has been playing amazing, and you know, when they put Georgiev in the other night, and you get to see this, it seems like this unfortunate hole, and Gallant, you know, kind of pulled in, in his conference, uh, you know, talked about in his conference. Unfortunately, when the kid gets in there, the team, it just, it's just a different thing, and whether he's not playing well, he can't keep his confidence, whatever's going there. So, with the Rangers talking about maybe getting some extra offensive power up front, and hint, hint, maybe Kane comes, plays Panarin again, that'd be nice. Um Ooh. But, If Shesty goes down, I mean, I think the Rangers have to look at two things here. They might need to get another solid backup or veteran kind of guy to help the Rangers. Mark Andre Flory might look really good in a Rangers uniform. And uh, in addition to maybe the scoring, um, with all the things you said about in terms of where they're, they're, uh, you know, Zabangian, Foxy, and their uh, numbers kind of kick in next year. Because if you look at it, you don't see Florida really needing to make any kind of moves. They're in a good spot, everything they got from the net out up front. Tampa's just been amazing. Um, I mean, they're the Stanley Cup champs. If everybody's healthy on that team, John Cooper doesn't really have to do anything except just coach those guys. I don't think the Leafs, no matter what they do right now, it's amazing they've gone so top-heavy with their forwards over the years, and they've just – it's been the constant issue, the net, the defensive, and I just – end of things, they're still just, I just don't see the Leafs doing anything in the playoffs again, especially in terms of who they're going to play with, and especially with grit and toughness and everything else, which they tried to change last year with Thornton and uh, Felino coming into, and that failed for them as well. So I don't know what Toronto can or cannot do. Um, maybe the only question mark with Carolina is Anderson and Nets, and that's only because he just, he hasn't stepped up in the big time moments, but I think they're a well-balanced team where they might be okay, Pittsburgh and Sullivan, I mean, just full marks of them playing real great, and I think they've got a really good squad from the net out, and I think they still have some more damage to cause in terms of moving up in the standings in the Eastern Conference. And again, Boston and the Capitals, with both of those two teams, they're experienced, they're veterans, they've got a nice mix, their goaltending seems to be kind of uh, settling in, even with uh, Rask leaving and... um, you know, Sansonov doing pretty well there in Washington as well, too. So that's the Eastern Conference. You switch over to the to the West here and getting back to the Hawks and, and other teams that might be giving up things here. You got a nice little wild-card bottle there going down at the bottom there with Nashville and Dallas, Edmonton, and Vancouver, and it pretty much probably stops there. Anaheim, maybe. But that's a little close, and that's really the only fun kind of uh, wild-card race you're going to watch there. And I wonder, you know, where where do you see which – Let's just take the Islanders in Chicago for argument's sake, and 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 tell me and tell everybody else. And I know we've talked about this briefly in the past. When I joke around with a name like Kane, is and he said he wants to finish his career in Chicago. And you look at the Islanders here too. What do they? What do they do? Tab. Who do you think of those two teams? And if I'm forgetting one team here, other than this, this is down on the bottom here that might have pieces to give up. Are those really the two teams that are really going to offer the best to everybody? I know there's talk about Philly, too. Uh, maybe Giroux going somewhere as well, too, and, and also talk about J.T. Miller coming out of leaving Vancouver. But uh, I'll throw it back to you there on, on you know, my little summary there on the two conferences, where they're at, and, and which teams you think are really going to maybe move a couple guys.
1: Yeah, well, we've talked about the Islanders a lot this year, and their issue is pretty clearly that they need more offense. Uh, They've scored 137 goals in 53 games. So the 152 that they've given up isn't bad. The 137 is atrocious. That's two and a half a game. That's not getting it done. Uh, And from what I've been told, the Islanders have kicked the tires on 88 in Chicago. What? Um, Now what they would leverage to get him is a little mind-boggling, and I don't think that that would be an in-season play this year. But we've talked about the Islanders' two straight Eastern Conference Finals. Do they sell, or do they stand pat and just look at this season as a blip on the radar and realize that they've got bigger fish to fry long-term with their roster and look at maybe moving some guys that are in walk years and really attack it this summer? Um, I think what really fascinates me here is let's – spend a little time here in the Western Conference. You talk about Vancouver possibly moving J.T. Miller. Here's the problem with that. Vancouver is two points back of Edmonton in the Pacific for the fourth spot there, okay? They have won eight of their last ten. They are four points back of Vegas for third in the Pacific, the coaching change is what they needed out there and they waited too damn long to do it. We've been over that. Yeah. Vegas and Edmonton are both four, five, and one in their last ten. Vancouver's a team going in the right direction there. And frankly, you know, full marks to Dennis Bernstein's LA Kings for winning three in a row in eight of their last ten and kind of running all the way up to second in the Pacific. Um but you've got three teams there that are fascinating because Vegas is clearly already in with the addition of Eichel but do they have enough room to fix their goaltending situation or and, and stop the bleeding? Edmonton keeps being a rudderless ship, even though they've got arguably the two best offensive players not named Austin Matthews in the league. And then you got Vancouver just kind of creeping up in the rearview mirror, and they're actually an interesting play out there. So do you move J.T. Miller if you're Vancouver, or do you buy yeah. and go for it? Because I don't think there's anything that I've seen from Vegas or Edmonton that would say Vancouver can't catch both of them. Okay. And then you look at the Central Division, and I think Minnesota's a strong team, even though they've only won three of their last ten. I really like what Minnesota's got. they just got to get healthy and get some consistency. But then you look at the next three in the Central. Nashville's won four of their last ten. They're currently sitting in the four spot with 68 points, which is the same as Vegas, but they've got two games in hand on Vegas. One point back in Minnesota. Uh, both of them have games to make up. Minnesota's only played 55, Nashville 56, but Nashville has reportedly, you know, started entertaining the idea of moving Philip Forsberg. If they do that, that offense, which has struggled at times this year, takes a huge hit. And right on their heels is Dallas, one point back of them. They've won seven of their last ten. They're seven, two and one in their last ten
0: kid robertson's unbelievable
1: robertson's unbelievable but john klingberg's out it's not happening so if you're dallas you're one point back of nashville you're two points back a third in the central but you've got one of maybe the best blue line trade chips in the entire nhl you know that he's gone at the end of the year because you've tried and an extension's not happening You're streaking, again, just like Vancouver. They're going in the right direction while the two teams in front of them are going the wrong direction, but they got a guy that they're going to lose. So the question for Dallas is, do we strike while the iron's hot and let the chips fall where they may and move Klingberg, you know, for a late-round pick for negotiating rights this summer? Or or what does Dallas do? So I look at Dallas and Vancouver and say, these are two teams – that could on paper become buyers, but they both got incredibly valuable trade ships. And you look at the youth movements on those two rosters and you just wonder if they don't maybe move the guy that might not be back next year to bolster 22, 23 and maybe look at helping right now, but bolster the future when you're going to lose somebody, but they're both in a position to go for it, go for that third spot in their division and get a playoff berth. So Western Conference is an absolute mess. Uh, I think Giroux will get to his 1,000th game in Philly, Lord willing, knock on wood, he stays healthy enough to cross 1,000, and then where does he go? And who's got the cap space to take that on? And um, and I and, and the crazy thing is, I think Giroux would be a really fascinating play for the Rangers, but I don't think Philly would ever in a million years make a deal yeah. inside the Metro. Once they close their so, eyes and
0: picture Giroux putting the cup over his shoulders, now that trade's done. That's not happening. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, not not in a million years. So, you know, Philly, I think Giroux, uh, Philly fans are going to laugh hysterically at many of them at the five per AAV deal that Ristolainen got from them today and say, <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? Um, but They're a team that I don't know how many pieces they could actually move other than Giroux. Um, So I don't know that Philly's going to stir the pot as much. You've got so many teams in the middle of the Western Conference that could potentially be buyers. And I don't think the Blackhawks really give a rat's ass if they trade somebody inside the division. So I mean, they traded Saad to Colorado. So what do you do if... If you're in the middle of those six teams that we talked about in the West and in the East, again, you've got the eight teams pretty well sorted out. So now it's a matter of playoff positioning and tinkering. And I think if you're Toronto, you got to figure out what you need to do to make a run because if you look at those eight teams in the East that we talked about, there's one thing that seven of them have in common, and it's that they're in the United States. And I think if you look at Canada... And they've won a playoff nation- round in
0: the last 20 years <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But, 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 it, like, let's be real. Well, Canada 30 years, whatever a, it is. <laughs> Canada as a nation is dealing with a serious cup drought, and you know that nationally they love to see that end. And just the reality of the two markets, people care more and talk more about what Toronto's doing than Calgary, but Calgary's the better bet. Yeah. 7-2-1 in their last 10, plus 58 goal differential, which is second best in the Western Conference. I love that team. The offense is there. They're 16-5-5 five five on home ice, which is stupid if not for Colorado having three regulation losses in 29 games. Um, so that's where I, I think the pressure on Toronto is as much external as internal. You know, it, it, this, this is the biggest market in Canada with a team that's theoretically on paper got a shot. 27-1 and one at home is nothing to sneeze at. Frankly, it's better than what Tampa's put together this year. Um, but how much do, how much cap space do they have to go for it? How much do they leverage the future to go for it? And what do they think going for it looks like in the best way? Is it, and just circling names on the Blackhawks, is it Marc-Andre Fleury or is it Calvin DeHaan? Do they fix the blue line before the net? Do they try to do both? And do they have the resources to do both? And I don't think they've got the cap space to do both. So they're going to have to be surgical with what they try to pull off here um, because that, that's a good enough team that it's at least interesting. I'm with you, Paul. you got to win something before I'm going to buy. But they're at least interesting enough, and there's enough external pressure to bring the cup back to Canada where they would tell you it rightfully belongs. That, I mean, look, there they're, are they're two teams that have scored 200 goals in the entire Eastern Conference. Florida and Toronto, they've got right now the most dynamic offensive force in the game, not named Nick Schmaltz, (laughs) Um, in Austin Matthews. I mean, this is a guy who could very seriously chase 60. So what does Toronto do to make themselves feel like, you know, an hour after the deadline when all the stuff that gets crammed in at the wire finally gets reported and the dust settles? What do the Leafs do to make themselves internally feel like they've got what it takes to go deep and appease the voices outside the organization that say that they're not good enough? Like you and me and everybody in Toronto (laughs) who will tell them that they're not good enough. What do they do? Because I think they're the team that I'm staring at. Like, what the hell are the Leafs going to do? Because they've got some glaring holes, but they're a really good team in a lot of ways that again, top heavy financially, don't have a lot of wiggle room. So what do the Leaves do? Because you're right, Florida and Tampa don't have to do much, and Boston, I don't think, is catching anybody. Washington's the same boat as Boston. They're sitting back there in the four spot, happy to have a playoff berth, but what do they actually have to bring to the table here? I don't I don't know if a series between the Caps and Canes goes more than five. I don't think a Boston Florida series goes more than five. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you do if you're Toronto? That I think that will be incredibly telling. And then you got the Rangers and Penguins tied at 77, and I think the Rangers really feel like with how strong they are on the back end. They're, I think they're the strongest team on the back end that is very clearly looking for scoring and not necessarily secondary. And I floated it. I think the Rangers and Patty Kane. I was on with the fourth period guys on Sirius XM uh NHL last Saturday and I said if the Ra- the Rangers with the cap space that they have now and with a decision looming with Capo caco if they put him in a deal then you start talking okay what what do you and do for the Chicago Blackhawks
0: I got no problem with them doing that too because you know Laffey's been playing pretty well uh on the stretch here and he's he's gotten some time up on the uh on the top line, too. And you look at the defensive end for the Rangers. You know, let's say a guy like Foxy goes down or a Trouble or whatever. I mean, kids like Schneider and Zach Jones have also stepped in for this team as well, too. And, um, they, you know, so they've, they've even got – the Rangers have some depth. Even their, their young depth is really good, um, you know, rounded out by Miller and Lingren, too. So, I think Well, the
1: problem – but the problem that the Rangers have and at the risk of jumping on – hypothetical here, but the problem that the Rangers have if they wanted to make something happen swing big for Patrick Kane, is the Rangers and Blackhawks are similar in that they've invested a ton of draft and trade capital over recent years and are financially very heavy on the back end. So if the Rangers were going to look at throwing a package of young players at the Blackhawks, I don't know that the Blackhawks are lining up to grab some of their secondary younger defensemen because they've got so many of their own. I mean, as it is, the Blackhawks have so much dead weight on the blue line. You've heard me beat this dead horse all year. The Blackhawks could stand to move four or five bodies off of their blue line to make room for some of the young guys. So if you're the Rangers, you've got limited depth in the organization from a prospect perspective up front. And I don't know that they would want to do something that would include both Othman and Ketko. But that might be what it would take to get Patrick Kane out of Chicago. So if you're the Rangers, how much do you leverage a very limited pool of offensive skill in the organization to make a swing on a guy who's got one year left on his deal? The flip side of that coin is we've seen what Kane and Panarin can do together. We've seen what the established blue line is for the Rangers. And with uh, you know Shesty being a legit heart candidate, is Patrick Kane enough 64 points in 54 games this year is he a catalyst that makes the rangers a legitimate cup team at least a finalist out of the eastern conference i think yes. it would yes. i just i just scratch my head if the rangers have the right mix of pieces on the young side of the ledger to offer the blackhawks that they're yeah, they'd be and, able and, to a deal.
0: and throw it on the other side if you're um you know, Davidson in Chicago, I mean, is a guy like Capo Caco really impressing you? I mean, I've been watching him the last couple of years. He's shown bits and pieces, but he really hasn't been he hasn't really kind of taken off here. He really hasn't. Uh and I know he's 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 been out of the lineup for a while now. So I don't know if, if, if Capo Caco is actually the dangling piece that's gonna be that, Patrick that's back. A
1: great. That's a great point, and that's why I say he's a name that at least gets Davidson probably to answer the phone, but because of his struggles in New York and with him heading to RFA, that's another big thing. He's an RFA this summer, so he's sitting on his next contract right now. Tantalizing package of size and skill when you see it click, it hasn't clicked enough. And Chicago's had varying results from taking flyers on lottery tickets from Nylander to Strom in the past. Strom's been red hot lately, so good for him, but... I don't think Kako on his own merits gets anywhere close to a deal for a Patrick Kane. So the question then becomes how much are the Rangers willing to give up to make that actually happen?
2: Well, I guess you don't have a
1: ton of forward depth to, to to work from without hitting the NHL roster and depth wins championships.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, I don't know if, if, um, Ryan Strong gets thrown in there, maybe, you know, pair him up with his brother, you throw Kako, maybe you get to throw Georgiev in there too and 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 maybe an uh, a pick here or there. Um I, I, I you know, you if you can get a guy like Kane back, I'm willing to throw in Heedle. Because I think the Rangers are one more power forward or, you know, just a scoring a guy like Kane to come in here to compliment Zabanajad. And uh, Panarin, you know, and, and Lafreniere is playing pretty well. The Rangers' fourth line is pretty good. I think there's enough that the Rangers have that they can kind of mix there uh, to make it happen. I think, I mean, I, I did just think the Rangers are in a great situation that they could sit here. I think they have a little more than caco to, to offer. Um, and they do have the defensive depth. They're going to need, as much as I like Georgiev as a kid and as a player, and I think when he gets a stretch of six, seven, eight, nine, ten games, you know, he plays well and he's bailed the Rangers out in the past when he's, when he's had the mantle. But he's definitely struggling because Shesty's the guy. The, the concern is, is that right. the Rangers get past this trade deadline and Shesty goes down and Georgiev's your guy, who knows, he might be able to hang in there, but you've just seen that that might be something that the Rangers kind of have to look at. The other thing here, when it's all said and done, and and, and speculation is speculation, but when Kaner says in the paper there last week he wants to retire as a Blackhawk, I mean, are we thinking about what Patrick Kane thinks here? Does he even want to leave Chicago?
1: Well, I will say this. There were two halves of that quote. He wants to finish his career as a Blackhawk, but understands that this is a business. That's huge. Because, you know, the the old cliche of Gretzky can get traded, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um, And I think that you're innocent. And and Kane has also been pretty vocal about his frustrations this year and that this has been one of the most frustrating years of his career, if not the most frustrating. There have been times that he couldn't buy a goal. And then his line with Strom and Dabrinkit combined for 14 points the other night against Anaheim. Uh, six of them from 88, his first career six-point night. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at places that he would actually be willing to go, I think Madison Square Garden, the lights are bright for showtime. I think the relationship with Panarin, whenever they play each other, you see him out there still talking to each other, hugging it out, joshing with each other, seeing which one's going to leave the ice dead last. Um, I think that that relationship plays. I think MSG plays. I think the Rangers having a legit cup chance plays. I think Kaner's enough of a student of the history of the game that when he looks back at what Mark Messier meant to the New York Rangers – You know, I think any hockey player who's older than 30 can appreciate, I mean, Messier did incredible stuff in Edmonton. But I think for a lot of fans, his guarantee and then paying it off and then winning a cup with the Rangers was a complete game changer. So for Patrick Kane, the you know, and we look at other sports where it's like, the Cubs win the World Series and the drought is over. And what those guys mean, if you ended, albeit a shorter drought than it was you know, previously, but still you're looking at closing on 30 years for the Rangers here, I, I think that that historical currency means something to a player like Patrick Kane, who's a surefire Hall of Famer. If he has a second act does the Rangers make sense? And let's not ignore also that if he says he wants to finish his career in Chicago, he's a year and a half from being able to re-sign in Chicago. If he, if he wanted to do that. Now the flip, the other thing that we haven't talked about with the Kane Rangers deal, if it were to happen during this season is next year would be a problem. Next year would be a big problem for the Rangers because they're adding 12 million in additional cap. To Zabinajad and Fox. So if you were to move money that's not being spent on a guy like Kako for a $10 million cap hit in Kane, that's a massive ask. And you're going to start becoming incredibly top-heavy. It's a one-year rental, but there's no question that the Blackhawks would have to retain money to make that work for the Rangers, not this year, but next year, which makes that cost go up a little bit for the Rangers, obviously. But again, I, I think that there's a fit there. Um, it's. I think the mental gymnastics are more on what the package would be that Chicago would need to have back than whether or not Kainer would play it with Panarin again and and see if those two can ride one to the promised land at Madison Square Garden.
0: Yeah, you know, look, too, I mean, if, if uh, look, if Drury can do this, I think he's got to make it happen. You know, big trades for guys coming in here for New York have always had at least, you know, Conference finals, getting to conference final success. You know, you talk about like guys like Brad Richards coming in here to New York, uh, Marty St. Louis uh, when the Rangers made those tra- uh, you know those trades too, and, and getting to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, a guy like Kane, if they can get him for this run, um, I think they have to try and do it, and then try and find a way to uh, maybe get a, a, a good solid experience backup uh, to back Shesty up because I think for me personally, those are the two biggest needs for it. And I, I would I would hope that that would kind of you know maybe you know have a guy like Kaner and kind of perk up and go hey that's a good shot because I think it would be just magical if he came here, um, and I think it would work because he's just you know Patrick Kane is just amazing and I think the complement of players that are here and the guy behind the bench. Uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, I think that's a huge part of it too because you can trade guys here and there and you can see how certain guys work and some kinds don't. You know, I mean, you look at the moves that Toronto made last year and trying to get Felino in there and Thornton there to help them. They couldn't help those guys out, it just didn't matter and uh, keep behind the bench uh, in Toronto. It just didn't work out. But I think, man, if a guy like Kane could come in here to New York with those guys up front this year, the strong defense that they have. The Rangers' special teams are really, really good, um, and they got a pretty damn good coach behind the bench right now who knows it how to yeah, it, it checks all the boxes. Yeah, absolutely, every box. man. Yeah, it
1: really yeah, but does. But that, that is the kind of landscape-changing deal that as fans and talking heads and analysts and media members gets you a little hot and bothered. You know, I think most Rangers fans and analysts feel like they need a cigarette and a cold shower at the idea of Patrick Kane being back on line with Panarin and what that would change their offense into and what this team looks like right now, because again, it's a damn good team as is. They're gonna be a dangerous out as is. But you add Kaner in there, that that that's a seismic shift in the Eastern Conference. That is putting every single team. Not just in the Eastern Conference, but I would submit Colorado, Calgary. That, that puts every team in the league on notice that the New York Rangers are in it to win it. Um, so, and that would be—I mean, look, Drury's first year as GM, you know. And we've talked about this throughout the year. Not a lot of people were overwhelmed with the idea, the idea of Drury replacing Gordon. And so, this is a thing where he could make his mark. And this would be a legacy play for him in his first year as GM, that would be massive. I mean that that takes you know, Berkey or Say their level onions.
0: Well and but Drury too
1: is he's been a player on those teams.
0: He's been a part of those types of deals. You know he was there in Colorado when when the Avs made those changes to to bring in you know Bork and stuff like that and 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 Blake you know to to win that that cup that that he was on he's been part of those trades with Buffalo he's been that guy who's been traded out of Buffalo uh, to come down here to New York so he he knows that you know I I was one of those Ranger fans I was shell shocked when JD and Gorton were were thrown out of here and stuff and. And, um, you know, outside of the signings, you know, to me that was a confidence thing for these players seeing Foxy's advantage had signed the long-term deals. So we know they're here with Kreider, and I forgot to mention him before, obviously, and Panarian. So those top four guys are here. Shesty's not going anywhere. So I think you're right as far as, you know, Drury has a moment here and he has the chance to do it. And uh, the more I sit here listening to you and I'm salivating, I'm looking at one of my jerseys hanging here in the studio, and I there is no doubt in hell that, that I would go out and get a Patrick Kane jersey, a Blue Shirts jersey tomorrow. It would be amazing. Because I think his personality, his skill level, experience, where he's at here... Um, would be magical, and I think you're bang on, too. It would, would put the rest of the league on notice here a little bit. And, uh, you know, just to, to talk about teams like Colorado. I mean, I don't know if you watched that game uh, last week, but that Avs uh, a couple of days ago, actually, the Avs-Calgary game was, was all you could ever ask for. And, yeah. and you know those teams in the West are going to beat the living crap out of each other, um, you know, depending on how who how it all plays out. And here in the East... Look, Tampa Bay is still the best team in the world to me, as far as I'm concerned. As far as Va- as long as Vasilevsky's in net and uh, you know Sergachev is up front, you know, and their blue line and and Hedman everything
1: else. can stand up. Yeah, I mean, as oof. long as you get Hedman can stand, Point can skate. Yeah, I mean, we're ignoring Stamkos, <laughs> I know. which is insane. Exactly, but you're right. I mean, look, if you've won, if you're the defending champs, it's yours until someone takes it away, and they've done it twice. So you're right. But in the same token, I don't think that anybody should ignore what Carolina and Florida are about. And though Toronto, let's put them in this conversation. Toronto, Tampa, Florida, and Carolina are all offensively driven teams. Carolina's actually given up the fewest goals in the Eastern Conference at 134. But you look at the numbers, Carolina scored 191. Toronto 213, Tampa 196, Florida 237. Rangers 171. They're out of those five teams, they are 20 goals behind Carolina for fourth. Offense is clearly the only hangup. And when you're 19-5-3 at Madison Square Garden, where the lights are the brightest, I would submit in the entire National Hockey League, with all due respect to Toronto. I you you bring a guy whose nickname is Showtime in there. And you just you look at it and say, "Damn, that's that's what it is." I mean, even Pittsburgh, who's tied with the Rangers right now at seventy-seven points, they've scored one eighty-eight. They've got seventeen more goals than the Rangers, so you're looking at a team that is not scoring a lot, barely two, little over two a game. You got one seventy-one in fifty-seven games. I told there would be no math, but you're looking at at scoring two plus a game three, three game. Um, how do you get that to three, five? Cause I think three, five is your number in the Eastern conference right now. And I think Patrick Kane's more than a half a goal per game with Kreider and Zabinajad and Panarin and Lafreniere and everything else they've got going on. He's a game changer. And, let's, and that's a team that could theoretically swing.
0: Yeah, and let's not be disrespectful to the other seven teams at the top of the the conference, because there's a welcome mat at the door in Florida. Uh, I don't know, you know, let's just forget about the cap numbers and where everybody is there. But obviously, if if Kano was to look at Tampa Bay, Toronto, Florida, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Boston, or even the Capitals, to join any of those teams in a seven-game series to jump in, all seven of these teams
1: are studs, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, but I think... There are two things that those other teams don't have that the Rangers do. And that is Madison Square Garden and Artemi Panarin. I'm not going to throw any shade at any of the other coaches. Uh, I would say Kalant's doing an incredible job. I don't know how you don't have... uh, Andrew Burnett and Florida and the Coach of the Year conversation taking over Absolutely. for Quinville midstream and not missing yep. a beat. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at the rest of those teams and you're like, look, we we talked about it. Like, t- Florida's really good in that. Maybe the best goaltender on the planet's in Tampa. Boston has question marks. Toronto has question marks. New York does not have any questions. um, you know, being a, a guy that people aren't necessarily enamored with Freddie Anderson, people have questions about the confidence game there. Um, You look at these teams, and we can't ignore the cap space. There's no way Kane would ever fit in Tampa, Toronto, or even Pittsburgh, for that matter. Um, But if he's got a good friend, and they've got the brightest lights, and they've actually got the cap space...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I mean, the only team in the East that really makes sense in during this season, and it's a big ask to do that in season, but the only team that really makes sense in season is the Rangers, and it makes so much sense for both sides if the package is right coming back. Because we talk about this being a legacy definer for Drury. This would be the first massive move for Davidson. Say what you will about it, whether or not Fleury goes or Kubalik or Hegel or anybody else, DeHaan. You trade Patrick Kane. You gotta and, be that guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're you're talking about, you know, when they traded Chelios to Detroit, and the backlash from that. You, I mean, the last time that the Blackhawks pulled a, a difference-making trade with the Rangers was my guy retired twenty-eight, Steve Larmer, absolutely, who spent the last what seventy-five seconds on the ice next to Messier. Keenan just left him out there to keep icing it and catching their breath. So, I mean, he's a game changer. And whether or not it happens, but for Davidson, that is a heady, heady ask. To have a first-time general manager, a young guy who's had the job for two weeks to have to digest and then talk to the marketing department and the ticket sales departments about what traded Patrick Kane could actually mean. And then go ask the player if he's willing to do it. And then get a package that isn't going to have most of chicago losing its ever-loving mind that a guy who is on the mount rushmore for an original six franchise could be traded i mean everything on the ice makes sense but when you start talking about the emotions and the variables of two first-time gms pulling a trigger on something that massive it's a lot so well, look at it this way Can, you know you know kane will bring
0: the, you know kane will bring the trophy back to chicago right He'll bring the cup back, show everybody again what it
1: looks like. I don't know if they want him back in Buffalo. So, yeah, he'd probably bring it back here. Um, Yeah, and and again, if he wants to finish his career in Chicago, he could spend a year and a half with the Rangers and come back. That's entirely on the table. But for two first-year rookie GMs to pull the trigger on something that titanic is a big pill to swallow. Uh, but I think both of them are motivated, and we it will have the fun thing when you creep up on a trade deadline in the National Hockey League more than any other sport. The NBA is a crapshoot; you got guys going that are never going to play there. Contracts are a joke. Major League Baseball has an interesting trade deadline, but you very rarely see somebody that big get moved in during a season. Patrick Kane being traded. You look at the NFL with all the blow up over Russell Wilson being traded. Nice player, coming off the worst year of his career. Trading a guy who's got 64 points in 54 games, who's headed to the Hall of Fame, uh, that would be a, a, an earth-shattering move in the National Hockey League. That would change everything.
0: Well, call up Drew Carey. Let's make a deal. Make it happen. Don't call Rob Manfred. But um, get Drew Carey in Rob there.
1: Manfred and maybe busy hosting the gong show. <laughs> Oh man, interesting stuff to look forward
0: to over the next couple of weeks here. All right, Tab. Before I let you go, is uh, you know, always a lot of stories going on week to week. Uh, you know, back here in THS this week, catching up a little bit. Um, just to want to get your take on just a couple of quicker things. Just good, a couple of you know, a minute or two on each. But uh, Miko, Miko. Coyview gets his number nine uh, retired this weekend in Minnesota. Um, I know you know him for years, obviously, uh, out there in the Western Conference and stuff. Uh, Great player, great guy. Uh, The Heritage Classic is this weekend. Eichel back in Buffalo tonight uh, with Vegas. And I also wanted to uh, tip the cap to uh, Jaromir Jagr. He hosted that game in uh, Prague. Uh, 14,000 people came out, and they raised about $160,000 for um efforts in ukraine so uh just a couple of little storylines want to get your commentary on before I let you go yeah i
1: mean I, first of all yager i'm glad that the nhl stepped up and supported that effort great player doing great things incredible respect for him uh maybe he'll retire at some point i doubt it uh, yeah. the fact that he lasted longer than tom brady by like a decade Rangers is to get him too. <laughs> yeah i mean my, at this point um and maybe toronto he's affordable there you go. <laughs> um, so absolutely love that, and I'm glad that the NHL stepped up and, and supported that effort. Um, Koivu getting his number retired, I think it's a no-brainer. You look at what he meant. I've talked to other guys up there in Minnesota, and just the legacy that he left as a leader uh, means so much more, I think, to the guys on the ice and in that organization, not just on the ice, but in the organization and the way that he built a really inclusive clubhouse and gave everyone a voice um, is something that I think is ongoing. And you talk to guys like Jared Spurgeon now, and they look at what Koivu meant to them as young players and developing players. And then ultimately guys that stepped into leadership roles up there, um, first class all the way around. So good for him getting his number retired. I I think that that's terrific. Um, What were the other ones?
0: Uh, just, uh, Eichel coming back to Buffalo there tonight, right. and obviously the, uh, remember we had joked about this at the beginning of the year, uh, how the Leafs were getting teed up against the Sabres in the, uh, in the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, Heritage Classic that's, uh, playing this weekend in Ontario. They're doing a nice thing for, uh, uh I believe there's a U.S.-Canadian theme, and obviously the, the Canadian, uh, women's hockey team is going to be recognized. Not so much on that, but maybe just your, your take on, um, Eichel returning to Buffalo.
1: Well, no, I mean, I I think it is a big deal that they're going to recognize a women's team. A bunch of Chicago local products that were on the silver medal U.S. team were honored by the Blackhawks earlier this week. The more the NHL can do to support and grow the women's game, the better the sport is as a whole, and so good for that. Um, The fact that the Sabres suck and they're going to play a Toronto team that's got a lot to play for um, should make that interesting. And the way that Buffalo, who are 2-8-0 in their last 10, that's right, two wins in their last 10, folks, um, with a suddenly red-hot Montreal Canadiens team creeping up in their rearview mirror for dead last. Um, <laughs> the uh, the Party. race to number one. So, I mean, Buffalo, it's a it's a tall ask for them to welcome Michael back and then have to go play in a marquee event, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of reception Michael gets up there. He should get a good one. Um, But you go back and just look at the context of the relationship between Eichel and Buffalo and the fact that Buffalo, I think, struggled to really ever fully accept the fact that they lost the McDavid lottery. And, you know, it's like Donovan McNabb going to Philly and he gets booed on the draft table and he's like, (laughs) I'm just trying to shut the booze up. And I think that it it was a really tough ask for a kid like Jack Eichel to go in there and by the hearts and minds of the fans when they were watching Connor McDavid chase a hundred every single year. And he did what he could on a rudderless ship for a long time that didn't have an identity around him. Um, And then ultimately he asked out and they made the move. And I think that the divorce was ugly enough, but it'll be interesting to see how the fans receive him up there. I don't know what kind of tribute video they're going to have for him. Uh, um, Yeah. But uh, but it'll be it, it'll it's going to be a really interesting few days for the Sabers and their fans, going from welcoming Eichel back to a, a national league-wide event. Um, so we'll see how the Sabers hold that together with the with the wheels completely falling off once again up there. So uh, they're they are actually the stone coldest team in the entire Eastern Conference with two in their last ten. So. It's crazy, you know,
0: you look at, you look at the, if the NHL was the whole, if, if the Sabres were Loki and the Coyotes were Thor, because they do anything and everything, they, I mean, the Coyotes, I mean, oh my God, yeah, let them play in the backyard somewhere. I mean, they gave the Islanders shit for years with the Coliseum out here. That's another joke and another show to, to talk about, but Buffalo, it just seems like, yeah, Best player's gone. Now you're going to maybe get probably smoked in a baseball a giant sports stadium against Toronto.
1: Yeah. I mean, they were more they were more excited about the Blue Jays playing in Buffalo in the spring the last <laughs> yes, couple were. years than the Sabres. <laughs> rightfully. So, no, I mean, tough, tough sequence of events coming up for the Sabres. Here's hoping that they can make it interesting at least. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Eichel's received um because that's That's another deal that I think a lot of us forgot about because he was not seen or heard from for a while before and after the trade coming back from the surgery once they finally let him have it. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's uh, fascinating times in the National Hockey League. And I think in the next week or so, we will have so much to digest and talk about and break down because this is really... I think in the Western Conference, a wide-open playoff race. In the Eastern Conference, you've got some teams like the Rangers that are looking to to bring in the right closer to make them a a team that has a legitimate cup shot. And uh, I think that you look at the top six in the two divisions in the East, and any of those six with the right trade could make themselves a Stanley Cup frontrunner. So lots of fun to look at and break down and talk about uh, over the next week or so.
0: Yeah, we didn't really get into it uh, today. Maybe we'll we'll see how the next two weeks go. But uh, Marty St. Louis now changing the the face of uh, coaching hiring uh, going forward in the NHL because now I, I would have to say if you're a former reti- uh, player and you're going to retire uh, without an experience, coaching job is in your
1: future real soon as well too. Hey, you know next next week we got to roll the tape about me saying if St. Louis can get Cole Caulfield to wake up, it would be worth it, and he has. You did, brother. You know, I I will also give out the winning Powerball numbers next week. Um, (laughs) We're looking forward to it, man. (laughs) Because uh, that was such an obvious thing that would obviously come true, but it did. So we're going to go ahead and pat ourselves on the back until we need shoulder reconstruction. Oh, man, good
0: stuff. Tab, great as always. Great to have you back here. Love catching up with you and talking puck. Have a great weekend. And uh, like I said, more fun stuff to talk about next week here uh, when you get your back. Uh, So uh, have a great weekend, brother beautiful you too all right tap in for ladies and gentlemen right here on THS from the great city of Chicago hoping he sends Patrick Kane our way here in New York Broadway baby we'll see and THS rolls on well all right all right all right it's time to head down to the Gulf Coast baby the South Coast the best coast of course it is because our buddy steve palumbo's hanging out down there
2: these days
0: steve oh welcome back to ths brother how you doing
2: Polly, it's a pleasure to be here as always man great to hear your voice great to be back with you guys excited yes. to talk a little hockey
0: yeah man it's been a couple weeks i guess you know the, the the good thing about being away the the heart yearns and and then all these storylines happen and you know You know, where we are right now, as far as getting further away from the All Star break and close to the trade deadline and seeing teams kind of shape out. And that's kind of the theme today and probably will be going forward until we get to March 24th, Steve O. And that's uh, seeing where these teams are settling in in each conference here and and talking about which teams might, uh, you know, move, sell, stay, or what's going right. on, and there's, there's all kinds of stuff. Me and Tab, were just talking about it before in a little bit as far as, you know, which teams can uh, can do anything up against, you know, salary cap issues and money and prospects and stuff. And, and two different stories here between both conferences, Steve. Pretty much the top eight teams uh, in the East are pretty much locked in. You, you don't expect to see Columbus, Detroit, or the Islanders, or the Devils, I hate to say that to you, pal, uh, make up <laughs> enough ground to, to, to squeeze out a um, – A wild card spot. You look over in the West, which is your backyard, which you love. This is why we have you on the show. And um, you know, ABS are up there still running the table. St. Louis, Minnesota, Calgary, Kings, and Vegas there uh, in in the the last wild card spot. And then you have Nashville and and Dallas there. I mean, those those six teams, obviously, as far as the divisions. You got Nashville and Dallas bringing up the rear, and it gets fun there because you have Edmonton, Vancouver, and Anaheim still with the possibility of. you know, getting getting a chance there. Winnipeg, not so much. Who I'm going to see tomorrow night at UBS versus the Icelanders. Looking forward to seeing yep. uh, those guys come in. But uh, let's start there. Um, you know, your thoughts if you want to jump on the on the east right now a little bit. Your take there, and then we can kind of maybe uh, back things up a little with the west and talk about the Avs and everything else. And I love that avs Flames game the other night, brother. It was awesome.
2: It was amazing. It was amazing. That's good hockey. But as far as the Eastern Conference goes, I mean, we've talked about this numerous times. I mean that the elite teams have kind of separated themselves and you're kind of seeing, you know, you're kind of getting an idea of the playoff picture. I think at this point, we're really just playing for seating and, and matchups in the, in the first round. Um, there's really almost no possibility of, you know, either, Colum- you know, I guess Columbus is really the only team that would even have a chance to get in there, but um, you know, it's, it's actually really boring. Uh, if you look at the standings, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> much the same teams every year in the Eastern conference, which doesn't leave for, for much excitement for, uh, team, you know, people like myself who are a fan of a team. Of say hey, like the Jersey, Rangers but... haven't. The Rangers
0: haven't <laughs> been scratching playoff territory in a couple of years, pal. We're excited. No,
2: you're you're right, but in my mind, I would think of the <laughs> Rangers as a team that is playoff bound. But yeah, I mean, they, they've actually been a nice story this year. You've seen, uh, I mean, just a fun team to watch. I hate to say it, you know, uh, that game, the devils ranger game the other day, where you know. Uh, it was a great game. I mean, uh, I thought the Devils played really well, but that goalie you got there in, in New York is something else. And I think, you know, that's one of those things in the East that's going to make a difference there is the goaltending and how well uh, the defense plays. And, and, of course, obviously special teams. Some of these teams are really good on special teams, some not so much. And uh, I think, you know, a team like Toronto going in there, and now now they're, they've got a little bit, again, of uh, goaltending issues. So that's something you want to watch for. So that's really um, – what we're kind of paying attention to in the East as far as we good on the stretch, who's going to make additions, who's going to add some depth because uh, right now all of these teams are basically paying for position and like I said, matchup. And they want to make sure that uh, they go in as healthy as possible because man, that, I think the East is going to be wide open.
0: I agree with you too, man. Um, you know, uh, it's, and as far as trade moves, and I yeah. want to get your opinion on this, too, because we, we talked about it. It's going to be like the, the headline on the show here when we post this uh, later. Um, the enticing thought of the Rangers maybe trying to pull Patrick Kane out of Chicago. Oof.
2: Uh, I mean, now you know, supposedly there's a, everybody and is available in Chicago except for Tays and Kane. Um, but it kind of goes back and forth. But, man, what an addition to the Rangers, the speed the skill that guy has, the, the leadership, the experience, the Stanley Cups, I mean, it instantly would, would put the Rangers up there with, you know, Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina as a you know team to beat coming out of the East. But, boy, if that were to happen, you, you know the Rangers would have to be sending back some pretty good talent back to Chicago, Is obviously going to be rebuilding. I know there's been talk of moving some of those blue chippers that you guys have there. Um, but that would instantly make the Rangers a, a, a really, really uh, intriguing team once the playoffs started.
0: Yeah, we can only uh, dream here in New York depending on what we got to send <laughs> back, but I think we got uh, enough there to kind of spread around here. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Steve, I want to get your take on this too. You know, they tried a lot of things last year in, in terms of bringing in Thornton and Felino, you know, uh, and Simmons there, you know, which maybe you, you would think that they, they were looking to add that toughness, that experience to kind of you know, round out the skilled guys up front, you know, like Mauna yeah. and, and Matthews and Tavares and everything else, and They still seem to have the problems, uh, you know, on the blue line and obviously in the Nets. Campbell's now going to be out for a couple of weeks, too. they got tons of money issues up there in terms of what they can or can't do. And I just don't, I don't see Toronto, even in this top eight here, as much as they're gifted up front and everything else, I just don't see them grinding through three, seven game series against any of the rest. And you talk about the goaltending, even if, you know, Barovsky there in in Florida and you got Shesty in New York and Vasilevsky in Tampa and. Um, you know, even the kids playing in Pittsburgh and Boston right now are also doing well. And we talked a little bit last time about Anderson and, you know, he, yeah. he's got to still prove himself. And he comes from that Toronto Maple Leafs organization that struggled right. there as far as winning the big games. But do you, do you, what's your take on the Leafs right now in terms of how they are And any, are they any different from where they were the last couple of years going into, um, you know, this, this potential playoff se- season?
2: No. I, I don't think they're in any different position. I mean, they, they can score a bunch of goals. We already know that. Um, you know, Campbell's been been very good for them this year. But now that he's hurt, just kind of puts them in a situation kind of similar to how Colorado's been the last couple of years with the goaltending is that one glaring weakness with this team. And, you know, the thing with Toronto I noticed is they, they you know, they can win 7-1 one night and then lose 8 nothing the next night. It's, it's super weird with this team. We know that they have the ability to score, but they also have ability to kind of get into their head uh, and they're very streaky. Mitch Marner is having a great season, but he's super streaky. Austin Matthews, great player, super streaky. Um, But it's just one of those things where, you know, original six team, it's, you know, longest cup drought in the NHL. You'd like to see them, you know, finally get past the second round or into the second round, but I just don't see it with the group they have right now. And I I know they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and, and tweak a few things, and I think uh, the goaltending market, especially this off season, is going to be a hot one. And I expect Toronto to be active in that. And you know, uh, John Tavares, you know, is-, is he somebody that's there for the long term? Could he be somebody that maybe they'd want to move out and maybe make room and-, and try to get a little younger and maybe add another couple pieces? You know, in the off season, I-, I don't know. But it's just something's not working there, and uh, you know. Uh, I, I, feel for the, the fans in Toronto, but I, again, I don't because the fans in Toronto are so obnoxious, but <laughs> <laughs> or can be obnoxious, but, uh, yeah, it's just, just one of those teams when you think of the playoffs that, that you don't, you don't pencil them uh, at the end of your bracket.
0: Yeah. That's, that's terrible for the, uh, what they call what the, uh, the, the mecca of hockey there in Toronto yeah. and they, they got nothing, uh, except, um, uh, you know, maybe a, a cool logo and some great jerseys. Uh, you know, maybe sure. bring, bring back Dougie Gilmore and Wendell Clark and, <laughs> You know, we'll go from there. Um. All right. So let's, Um. I mean, uh, you know, as far as the, if there's anything else, Steve, that you want to d- talk about here as far as the East. I mean, look, we got a ton of, not a ton, but a, a decent amount of hockey here left and obviously the trade and deadline uh, right. going forward. How about a, a real quick take? You know, maybe you know, here we are a week, two weeks out of the trade deadline. Um, you know, joking about Kane and the Rangers or whatever. Is there any other teams here that you see w- might be looking at in terms of trying to make a move? I mean, is Florida pretty much solid? I don't, you know, we don't think Tampa Bay really needs to do anything. We just talked about Toronto. Carolina's playing pretty well. Um, You know, great matchup tonight, right? I think they're playing the uh, the Avs this evening. That's going to be a great game. Absolutely.
2: And then, tough and, tough yeah, teams in the league.
0: Yeah, and That's then you got good. the... You got the bolts and the flames, and you know we'll we'll get into that too, as well as uh, you know when we get to flip over to the west. But anything else, you know, but Boston uh, Capitals. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe the Rangers are best suited for the biggest trade. I mean, I, you can't see Giroux from Philly going anywhere in the East. They're going to send him out yeah. west somewhere. But um, anything that, that's been on your mind, or something that you want to kind of maybe throw in, as far as the Eastern Conference concerned, in terms of where everything is right now, leading to the trade deadline.
2: Yeah, I know. I think we'll see a lot of the those typical uh, depth moves, uh, bringing in an extra defenseman, uh, maybe, you know, another uh, bottom six forward or somebody who can play roles. I think if any of the team, you know, the big teams are going to make a move, that's what they're going to be looking for. I think one team to look out for is Pittsburgh. Um, I think they're a team that that would like to make a move if they, they can pull something off, whether they get extra teams involved or or something. I, I think, you know, with Crosby and, and Malkin, and the age, Letang, they're getting a little bit older there. Uh, they might be a team that would be uh, interesting to watch come, come deadline time. Um, again, Boston is not a, a team that's not afraid to make a move if they can. Uh, so again, another team to kind of watch and, you know, the windows closing for some of these teams They're, Their their cores are getting a little bit up there in age. And, and, you know, a lot of these GMs want to, you know, uh, basically want to protect their job and, and keep their teams as competitive as long as possible. So, um, you know, Boston and Pittsburgh are always interesting come deadline time, and those would be teams I'd, I'd be paying attention to.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. This will be the fun part of uh, talking hockey here the next couple of weeks here on THS. All right, let's flip over to the West. Um, thoroughly enjoyed watching that um, Calgary. And by the way, ESPN Plus is worth everything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's just to pop these games on uh, and to enjoy that. And then you get to, to pick the broadcast team. It's just. It's such a great setup and a great quality, and it was, I really enjoyed that game um, uh, the other night uh, between those two monsters of teams. So let's just start, start with the Avalanche here. Um, you know, uh, they were here in town here against the Islanders. They lose to Arizona, which is kind of weird. Um, we talk about the Calgary game. Um, you know, taking kind of care of business. They they lose to your Devils, buddy, which is which is mm-hmm. kind of weird as well, too. And then they've got a great game here in Carolina. Look, there's nothing here necessary to worry about. Right. But I, as a guy who covers the the team for Hockey Buzz and everything else, um, is there a weakness, or is it is? Where do you see that they might have an issue? I mean, they got you know until we get to the playoffs here, but I guess I'll keep it simple. Are you seeing any red flags right now on the team? And does Colorado have to make a move for anything that you see that might help them get to the to put it over the mountain?
2: Well. Uh- well, let's start with the red flag thing. So the red flags that I see going in. I mean, we we know that in February they had no regulation losses. They had a, a, an outstanding month. That's where they kind of separated themselves from the rest of the league. And we're here where they are, five games into March, and they're two two and one with uh, you know losses to to some some pretty bad teams or or standings wise bad teams. That the game against New Jersey, I, I know. You know, as far as the way Colorado media and the fans kind of see it, that was the signature loss of the season. One of the the lowlights of it because they had had the three nothing lead, um, and they allowed the almost came to back too. Steve, in New Jersey, basically, I don't know. if you... Yeah, I was going to bring that up, uh, and then you they they blew the five one lead against the Islanders the night before. They let them creep back in, and really New Jersey skated them. That no one skated uh, Colorado. Uh, like that. Even when they're playing Calgary and stuff, it's kind of back and forth, back and forth, but New New Jersey really took it to them. It was embarrassing for this, that team. I I think they were, you know, a little bit tired second of the back to back, but um, I think you're just seeing a team right now that is uh, basically not going through the motions, but they pretty much have everything locked up. um, And they basically, it's all about staying healthy and preparing for the playoffs because that's something that's like we've talked about all season lingering over this team. We know about the regular season success, but how are they going to do in the playoffs? Uh, something that's really struggling right now is the power play and also the face-off. They, the only team worse than them with face-offs in the NHL is the Buffalo Sabres. So uh, wow. those are a couple things that come up that are important when it comes to playoff time. And, and you know, winning that big draw in your own zone or or being able to get a, a important power play goal, these things are, are going to come into play when it comes to the playoffs. So those are things that were that kind of sticking out as red flags for the team and, and definitely Coach Bednarz addressed that. He Called this team terrible the other night, so maybe that'll be a little bit of a wake-up call. Uh, they got a big game coming up against Carolina, but, you know, they've got uh, Carolina, they got the Kings, they've got, uh, oh gosh, who else they got coming up? Um, another big game, I'm sorry, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but...
0: Uh, I do, pal, you know, I'll let want- you know. they got Carolina, Calgary at home, coming up after this Calgary. game, and yeah. then uh, the Kings, the Sharks, and then they're home for three. Edmonton, Vancouver, and yep. Philly coming to town
2: you know the, the kings are playing really well right now we know we talked about calgary and obviously carolina is a, a really good team this this little uh funk they're going into could turn into their their first you know considerable losing streak depending on how they respond to the game tonight so i'll be interested to see how they come out how, what their legs look like uh, what the coach is going to do Is are going to shake things up a little bit um but yeah that's 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 it. And as far as a move, I, I know there's still the talk of of Giroux and, and bringing him in if they could somehow make it work. But I know that they're really reluctant to move Alex Newhook, which a lot of teams are interested in when it comes to making a, an addition. They they got a couple other guys down in uh, in Colorado with the Eagles that that they could possibly move some some second and third tier uh, prospects. But you know, do they need to make a move? No, not necessarily. Do they want to make a move? Absolutely. I know Joe Sackick wants to go big. I wants he wants to go all in. This is he, he feels this is his best team that he's had since he's taken over, and he really wants to get this uh, the Stanley Cup monkey off the back. So I would not be surprised if if, if they have to make a, a a splash and throw in a um a, a really good piece, they they might be willing to do it. Who knows? We'll see. It's going to be interesting how these next two weeks play out. Yeah. One
0: thing about that Cal cow- go-,
2: go ahead. I was going to say, especially if they start to slump a little bit, then, then I think you'll you'll really see them kind of – the the chatter start to ramp up around Colorado.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, just because I – this is the game I watch, right? So I'm watching the Avs and uh, the Flames the other night. And, you know, a couple things here. Uh, the kid v- v- Vladar – forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong – plays um, yeah. in goal for the Flames. I thought he did a right. hell of a job. I mean, both teams, I yep. think it was uh, 37-36 for the Flames in ter- terms of shots. Um, there, there was a – a big part of the game there where there's a you can see the noticeable difference between the rush of the avs as they come in it just yeah. seems like there's a lot of pressure and and calgary seems like a very patient team i mean mm-hmm. they equal the the shots on goal but they kind of um you know pretty you know it's just a different attack it's it's amazing uh, it'll yep. be fascinating if these guys end up playing each other uh in the playoffs um and then the other thing was you know kemper getting pulled there early and then yeah. the kid that came in, uh, Frank Cooz, I guess is how you say his name. Yeah. And, but oh, just okay. the move there by um, you know, the coach and you know, Kepper was obviously pissed off and you know, and listening to you how how the you think they might be feeling. Hey, they got everything kind of locked up a little bit and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, when he makes a goalie switch like that the other night, and obviously they played a couple of games and a couple of stinkers and the offs comeback and everything else. Isn't there the danger there with the avalanche? They don't. They they don't want to play that way. I mean, I know they don't want to burn themselves out a little bit, but right. You know, talk about that a little bit, and maybe use the Flames as as that example as far as how Sutter has this team. He's got these guys. You know, you almost forget that Tefoli's on the team right now, and they yeah. and they look really solid. And and having a kid even after Markstrom, having that kid get in there play so well, uh, that just makes Calgary look even better and more patient. So I guess. The comparison for me between those two teams the other night, it seemed like it was just there was more a little more pressure on the abs to we gotta win this game. We gotta show who the, we are whatever. And Cowboy just kinda was like, all right, we got this and then boom, one shot in overtime and it's all. Yeah,
2: I think I've seen that quite a bit with it with Colorado and, and, and it might be, you know, one of the reasons why they, they're they're kinda of losing their legs right now. They just they only seem to know one speed and it's pressure, 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 pressure. And that's how you nailed it to, to that I, I don't know how I'm... <laughs> I don't know how, how much you've played the NHL video game, but if you're playing the computer and you're losing, they're, they're, uh, you're beating them in the third period, it's almost like the AI turns it up and they're unbeatable. And that's how uh, <laughs> Colorado seems to play all the time. I, it's, it's incredible to watch, but I, I think you get in a situation where you get in a, a team like Calgary that's a little more patient, set Sutter's system, uh, the way they play a little more physical, um, that can really start to wear you down, especially if you can't, the space out there, and that's what Arizona did to them. And that's why Arizona was able to beat them. And I think that's a recipe for beating Colorado. They took away all of their space. They put a ton of pressure on them. They used big bodies. And it just really started to frustrate Colorado. The open lanes weren't there. They couldn't get the pucks. Weren't finding their way through turnovers. And, um, you know, that, that could really become a problem if they don't learn how to play, you know, to to play a different style. Now, they've won in all sorts of different facets throughout the season, whether it's coming from behind or, You know, blowing big leads or whatever. You know, they've kind of done it all. But one thing they really haven't done is been able to overcome when a team really, really turns up the heat and and plays a physical game against them. So uh, that might be something that that could come back to haunt them, definitely in the playoffs.
0: And obviously, in the playoffs, you go up against the you know whoever's playing the Nets. I mean, it's 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 kind of weird. I just kind of sat and watched that game the other night, and I'm thinking of the series last year against Vegas. You know, yeah. and they and I think you nailed it like they only know the one speed and then go and go. And I think, hope you know, that's something that they might have to try and balance out here and, and use instead of just standing pat and saying, hey, we got this is just take these, you know, almost the, the, you know, the comeback with the Islanders, the, the, the stinker to the Devils in Arizona. And they got to kind of look at this. And I imagine Bednar is going to get this all squared away because I think that's going to be the difference for them, Steve, because we know their strengths. We know how damn yeah. good they can be. Kemper's done a pretty damn good job stepping in here for uh, for uh, Grubauer and stuff. So they need to be able to play that complete game. And if they get into a defensive struggle or a close game, they need to be able to play very good on their heels defensively. Uh, in addition to being, you know, that monster All Star lineup that they have up front, you know, and obviously bounce out in McCarr and everything. But it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they're such a fun team to watch. Great stuff. So look. Uh, as far as the rest of the West is here is concerned, here and you know we'll stop kissing uh, Calgary's asses like we do here in, in Calgary because they are the two great teams here. But um, well, let's I, look. Go ahead.
2: Calgary is just, I mean, from where they were to start the season to make the coaching change to where they are now. Like I, I, I mentioned something that this team here, they're going to upset a lot of teams in the playoffs, and this could very well be the representative for the West because of the way they're playing. Uh, the type of, of of way they they play hockey, like you mentioned, and just their the overall like uh, makeup of this team, the goaltending out. I mean, they're just they're, they're really getting contributions from up and down that lineup, and they're a really really fun, well balanced team, and and they're really well coached, and and man, they could be really dangerous in the spring.
0: Yeah, and and, and i brought this up before. And I'm going to ask you again because you you know we used to uh, you were in LA, uh, mm-hmm. the Cup run teams, Sutter was there. Yeah. He yep. he he balanced this team out, and it's it's just a trip. I mean, the guy steps out of the steps out of the game here for a couple of years, and he comes back. Same thing, right? Elements of good yeah. talent: Markstrom, Quick, right? Uh, Godot and and uh, Kopitar. You know, you look at the elements he had, and then the pieces or whatever. I guess I got to ask you. I mean, the way Sutter's kind of remolded this team in the right direction here and balanced it out. Does Calgary have an opportunity to make a move here? I mean, I know they got Toffoli there. Is there anything else that they need to get? I mean, I know there's even joking uh, talk about maybe Foligno, uh, not Foligno, um Giordano maybe coming Giordano, back.
2: Giordano, yeah. Yeah, I think, again, that the Toffoli move was, was the move they, I think that they wanted to make with the forward to bring in another uh, another offensive weapon. And knowing Sutter, I, I just feel like they really would like to bring in a good, solid veteran uh, defender or somebody to bring in some death. And why not a guy like Giordano? I mean, he's familiar with the town. He was the captain, uh, really solid, uh, you know, a great way for him to go out, you know, in his career to come back and, and bring a uh, Stanley Cup back to Calgary. It really makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that it's something that we really should pay attention to, um, you know, as the tra- deadline approaches, whether they get Giordano or somebody else, I, I do think Calgary is made one of those teams that, that really wants to make a move in order to uh, to better solidify their positioning in the, in the playoffs. Because I, I think there's a lot of belief there in Team from from the, the uh, top office down, if this team is in a is in a position where they could really really do some something special this year.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I, I'm psyched. I mean, I just I, I love it. I love the old jersey, the old sweaters. I just love everything that they're doing. The last time they won a cup was in those old yeah. sweaters. So, I mean, it's, it's there's a lot of things lining up here. Right. Um, run down a, a little bit of the rest of the Western Conference here. Obviously, the, the Kings uh, holding the six-point comfortable spot right now as far as uh, a little space between them and, and the wild card. Um, you know, Vegas is in there. Atlanta's going to be out here. I, mean, we'll, I, I think, you know, they're going to be there. Eichel, you know, they're going to the Buffalo tonight. They've kind of, it hasn't been like the instant super change here. And I know, um, uh, who's the guy who's out right now? I know we talked about last time. It's
2: Mark stone. I told you about Mark stone. This is not the same team. Bring Jack Eichel and doesn't make a difference. Mark stone is an important part of this team. And, and without him in the lineup, I know the one people are saying, Oh, the, the, the Vegas record with Jack Eichel. No, this is Vegas's record without Mark stone. You look at the, all the times he's missed, they are not the same team. They're a sub-500 team. He's a big part of this team. Hopefully he can come back or else they're going to they're gonna have a tough time even making the playoffs.
0: Yeah, no, you bring up a great point, man. Uh, that's a great way to look at it as far as, you know, uh, the, the records and, and, and those two individual guys. And I know Vegas has to deal with that uh, if and when eventually Stone gets back uh, able to play. want to look at the bottom here. Nashville, Dallas holding on to the two wild-card spots. It's going to be fun on the west. We talked about the east is pretty much locked in. But, man, uh, Edmonton's got a lot to prove here. Vancouver and Boudreaux uh, playing mm-hmm. pretty well. they got to make a decision. Do they keep J.T. Miller? Or they, they ride this thing and maybe get into the playoffs and cause some trouble. And the Ducks kind of t- cooled off here a little bit, but they're still within striking distance, you know, with, you know, uh, what, uh, 20-some-odd games here left to play. But uh, yeah. your take there on the bottom half um, uh, and how do you think uh, things might play out and, and, and any moves that any of those two teams might make. How is important it to just get in? Um, is an important more for Dallas uh, because of how close they've gotten the last couple of years, especially the, the summer tournament and stuff? Uh, just love to get your take here on, on, on the bouncing out the bottom end of the Western Conference.
2: Man, I think there's a lot of pressure on Edmonton to find a way into the playoffs. I mean, especially with the way that they started with McDavid, Drysaddle, you bring in Evander Kane. Um, you, you really want to see the NHL – really wants to see their premier players in the, in the big tournament at the end. And I think Edmonton is, you know, the the playoffs are not going to be the same without Connor McDavid. So I think there's going to be uh, a lot of a push there from Edmonton to try to, to see what they can do to, to kind of lock up one of those spots. Dallas is playing well. They always play well down the stretch. Same thing with Nashville, another solid team. It's going to be really hard. I mean, this could very well go down to the last few games of the season or the very last day of the season, the way that how close these teams are, uh, Vancouver, um, you know, just another team you can't really get a read on. They're, they're you know, a team that wins 7-1 and then loses 8-4. I mean, they're very interesting kind of uh, um, dynamic there. I mean, they played really well in the last 10 games. So uh, they could be somebody who the best move that they make is the move that they don't make. Like you said, JT Miller maybe holding on to him. Could that be something that, that carries them and maybe they can sneak in there? Uh, I think the Ducks are done. Um, I think they were kind of a team stuck between uh, a rebuild and trying to make a playoff push. The goaltending has dipped. Uh, they're not getting the same contributions from the blue line. Uh, there's all sorts of talks of them about players they're going to move out. So they're clearly in a, a Verbeek there. They're, it looks like they're going to be selling off some of their pieces to try to build around some of these young guys. So you know, I, I'm not really, you know, I don't really see them making a push. So it's really going to come down to uh, Nashville, Dallas, Edmonton, Vancouver, and you know, Vegas, uh, how they're going to do. And it's just, man, it's so close. I, I just think that whoever gets a, the hottest down the stretch is gonna be the team that, that pulls it out, man. It, uh, you go to a two, three game slump. I mean, you could pretty much pull yourself out of this race. So super excited to see how this plays out.
0: Oh man. The, the pressure in Edmonton right now, I'm telling you right now, yeah. if Boudreaux gets them into the dance and let alone if they win a, uh, a first round, they're going to yeah. build a statue. He won't even have to win the cup there, pal. Right? They'll have a parade. <laughs> man, Edmonton, the pressure—you nailed it, man. Uh, you know, you look at it right there. They weren't supposed to be anywhere back in this group of Nashville, Dallas, Vegas, no. and maybe Vegas a little bit. But man, uh, Vancouver—they're
2: they're a team. They're a team that that is hurt by the goaltending too. Their inconsistency in, in the net. I mean, they, Mike Smith was a nice story last year. He is, you know, hasn't been as solid this year. Um, you know, Lincoln and I, I don't know. They, they just seem to um, really suffer <laughs> when it comes to goaltending, especially in, in big moments for them. So uh, McDavid and Drysettle cannot do it all. Um, they really need to get some more contributions and they really need to get some timely saves. Man, this team, if you look at it, they've scored 189 goals, they've given up 186 goals. So the margin for error for this team is, is slim. So goaltending is, is, is a, a definitely an X factor for them. And man, if they miss the playoffs, oof. Oh, that's man.
0: They need a goaltender, maybe a veteran guy in there can uh, you know get these guys whipped up a little bit because I think you know depending on how the Oilers do here over the next uh, couple of weeks whether or not they make a move or not, but I think their confidence they might be brittle because I think you're right, man. McDavid and Drysaddle can't do it all, but I think there's there's a, there's a huge there's a bigger component to that, and you know that Steve, as, as an experienced guy covering teams and any championship team or any team that goes deep into. Um, you know the rounds, you even taking the the Habs last year. I mean, you, whether it's mm-hmm. Carey Price, you, you got to have somebody on that team who's been through the dance already, who's been in the trenches, yep. and, and can carry that. It takes a lot of grit, a lot of heart. Um, and I, you know, and well, it, it's yet to be seen. Uh, whether uh, dry settle and McDavid can, can do that because they haven't done it yet as far as advancing into the playoffs. Steve, great stuff there on on both conferences. A couple of little storylines yep. I want to get your feedback on. Obviously, um, a couple of things going on this weekend. Uh, Miko Koivu's number is getting retired in Minnesota. Um, why don't you get your talk, take on him a little bit um, in terms of that uh, happening for him this Sunday?
2: Uh, just a – Man, every time we talk about these, these retirement things, I always feel like I say the same thing. But just uh, whenever you're, you get your, your, your jersey goes up to the rafter, you've obviously made a mark, especially uh, on the town. You know, he was a big part of Minnesota. became the identity uh, for them for, for many, many, many years. Really solid, all-around uh, great hockey player. Um, just somebody who, um, you know, it, it, he's another one of those players you're like, man, that guy is still playing, and he's still playing at a high level. So uh, good for him. Good. Uh, Great to see Minnesota, um, you know, kind of adding to their you know, their new identity and building upon their legacy. I mean, I mean he, that guy played, geez, how many seasons? 15 seasons or something in Minnesota. I mean, he, he really made a mark. And, uh, uh, you know, just uh, uh, really happy for him and happy for the Minnesota organization. And hopefully that they can uh, get some more success going to the playoffs so we can, you know, have different types of banners holding up there, hanging up there because Minnesota is a state that you really want to see be successful when it comes to hockey. Yeah.
0: There's they no doubt. They love their hockey there and it's, uh, it'll be great to see, you know, them and, Man, St. Louis too. Uh, me and the, you know the Blues are old favorites of me and you in terms of seeing what they're going to mm-hmm. do here uh, going yeah. for. But uh, good for Miko and, and that organization and uh, as they retire his uh, number into the rafter. You know, like I said, me and you, a uh, little older guys. So the, you know, there's another guy that you know, a name, a player that we watched throughout the years. And you know, it, it, when the, and the other thing too, Steve, is when these numbers go up into the rafters, it kind of shows our age. <laughs>
2: yeah, no kidding. And it's like, oh no, sure.
0: another guy getting retired. <laughs>
2: I have to like go through my, my data banks in my head and think about, oh, yeah, okay, he was playing that. Oh, he's playing that. Oh, man, he's playing that. Wow. I'm either getting really old or uh, I guess I'm just getting really old. Too
0: All right. much. All right. And last thing before I let you go, speaking of old guys, but I want to give him a tip of the cap. And Jager, uh, Yager, um, you know, he had that, that game in Prague and he had yeah. 14,000 people come out and um, raised about $160,000 uh, for the Ukraine uh, effort. Um you know uh me and Tab were joking too and and it's not a joking matter as far as why yags did this um mm-hmm. tip of the hat to him for doing this but you know we were we were saying that you know maybe the leafs should get him <laughs> cuz he won't cost yeah. that much and throw him in the lineup to help him out but uh just your your take on yags here doing this um doing you know what he can do you know
2: the guy the guy is absolutely unbelievable 50 years old so playing and he's still playing at a pretty you know high level to where he can be productive i mean i'm sure if he uh, an nhl team wanted to bring him in he would he would chip in a bit i mean like he definitely has the skill we you know he's he's conditioned uh the only thing really different about him is the the gray hairs man the guy can can get out there and and he can move and yeah it's crazy to me because i you know we've talked about me playing hockey and stuff like that but at at my age I'm i'm several years younger than him but man, just one game, I'm just like I'm hurt, and I don't know how he goes out there and plays at such a level with being a 50-plus man, because that, that has got to be I mean, the guy must have done something right in his life to take care of his body, but he's definitely doing it, and he's, he's just a great character and a, so, so, so many great guys in hockey, he's just one of those legendary players.
0: Yeah, no, you nail it, man. There's no doubt about it. Uh, maybe it's uh, avocados. You eat, eat those yeah. avocados out there, folks.
2: <laughs> Tons of avocado, definitely. <laughs> Tons of
0: avocados. Hey, Steve, um, yeah. I, I might as well ask you this before we go. The devils are, are the devils where they are. We know they're rebuilding stuff. Can or should or will, mm-hmm. does P.K. Subban get moved again here? Can he get moved? I don't know what his contract deal is. Is it something yeah. that either a team could take him, in, you know, it's 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 wild because the guy's been part of some, you know, big trades to kind of go. But it, it seems, and we talked about this a little bit, his star is kind of fading a little bit here in Jersey. Yeah. What's your take on him possibly maybe getting a, a chance to maybe turn that light on a little brighter uh, to go and play somewhere else? Is that something the Devils kind of look at?
2: Well, I, I know that Fitzgerald sat down with P.K. and told him, look, we're not, we not going to be extending your contract. So, I mean, he's in the final year's deal. Uh, but it doesn't really sound like there's been much interest from around the league of teams trying to bring him in. Uh, I know Merrick and, and Fridge brought up uh, on their podcast the other day the possibility of the Devils buying him out and letting him sign somewhere as a free agent, uh, which sounds crazy when you think about, uh, you know, the Devils couldn't get something for P.K., Wow. But it just seems like there isn't really much of a market, and you know we've we've just spent like the last half, half hour talking about how teams want to bring in good veteran defensemen uh, to bolster their roster, and the fact that the Devils feel like they they may not feel like they could get anything for him really speaks a lot to where he is in his career right now. Um, so I don't know if you know the 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 physicality and the you know the things that kind of happen have kind of are following him, and and maybe that people are trying to stay away from that, but. I don't know I just I feel like they could get something for him but it just seems like his days are numbered whether it's in the with the devils or even in the league uh, in general so we'll, it'll be interesting um, I, I would like to see him maybe finish out the season with the devils uh, I don't you know I really don't see any benefit right now moving them out unless they want to bring up somebody from from the aHL to see how they do um, but I think uh, I'd rather see Utica continue to play well down there and get those guys some some good playoff runs so that Uh, they can take some winning and not bring them up into the devils. But as far as the devils go all around, I mean, since February, they're in the top, you know, top five or six in the league in scoring. They've been a lot of fun to watch. They've been really competitive. We talked about the Calgary game. They played really well against the Rangers team knows how to score goals. Once they, they figure out the goaltending situation and, and, uh, maybe add another piece or two. I know Fitzgerald would like to make a hockey trade at the deadline. If it makes sense for the team, Pavel Zaka's name has been out there a lot, but, um, uh, they're they're fun to watch, and, and at this point, um, you can see that the team is progressing. Jack Hughes is a legit star in this league. Um, he's the things that he's doing right now, along with Jesper Bratt, are just amazing. And Nico Heischer has really come into his own and, and proven why he was picked uh, number one overall. So that right now, it's a lot of fun to watch the Devils. So it'll be interesting to see where they they fit in um, to the league come come um, you know deadline time because they they have the cap space and they do have a couple pieces they may want to. Move out there to make room for some of these younger players. So uh, I, I enjoy watching them. I, I think they're very competitive on night to night, and this is I, this is the, the the most fun I've had watching them for the last six years. I think
0: that's great, man. Good to hear, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it's something to look forward to, man. Some uh, some good stuff. We, we've talked about it here, me and you, about the tri-state area hockey, and you know, when the Rangers finished the parade in the Canyon of Heroes this uh, summer. Uh, you know, in the Isles, make some changes. And then you guys in the Devils, you know, Devils in the Isles, maybe get a shot in the next couple of years after the rain. Just bring it back home, the bro. <laughs> oh,
2: you'll be <laughs> insufferable
0: if that happens. To you. <laughs> oh, man, a lot of teams are going to have a say in that matter. No doubt about it. Steve, you are the best. It's great to have you back on the show talking hockey again. And we'll get back to you next week. So have a super weekend, brother.
2: You too, man. Take
0: care. All right. Steve Palombo, ladies and gentlemen, right here from the Gulf Coast. Talking puck on THS. Well, that's a wrap. I want to thank Tab and Steve for joining me here this afternoon. And again, our thoughts are with Joe. He'll be back here next week. And we want to thank all you guys for tuning in and downloading, especially uh, continuing to uh, to hang in there with us with us after we've taken a couple of weeks off. But we'll be back. We'll try and hopefully take this week to week now through to the end as far as we can go as far as the nhl goes we'll be here too lots of fun stuff to continue to talk about with the trading deadline coming on and all the storylines moving in and out as uh, all these great teams start making position positional runs here uh playoff spots wild card in the west and all that other kinds of stuff but great stuff so thanks as always keep following us at that hockey show hit at that hockey show on the twitter where most of the guys hang out Follow all their personal accounts, too. And, again, thank you guys so much. We appreciate your audience. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. Tons of hockey on Thursday nights here, as always. So, enjoy the games. And we're we'll back here next week. So, until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep your head up. THS is out!